hello, Gateway. Appreciate all those uh, joining online. Uh, my name is Bill Russell. I'm one of the elders here at Gateway. I'm filling in for Ed, who uh, gave me a, um, a shout out yesterday and said he's going to not show up today and uh, playing hooky or something like that. No, I think he's uh, sick, along with 40 million other Americans right now. Um, and so, you know, I, I wasn't planning on starting this way this morning, but I look at uh, the, the congregation here, and I imagine um, all of you online, too, are, are feeling it. So many people are getting sick. So many people are having a hard time. And, um, you know, in the midst of that, when we start to feel some of those outward pressures, and we start looking at that, it's real easy to get discouraged or, or down. Uh, but this is the church. And I, I am excited because in the church, sick or healthy, we're still here, whether you're online or, or here, we have a mission. And um, as, I, as I look at the numbers, I'm, I'm thinking about an opportunity I had some years ago. I went out to a church in California, and I got to hear about their ministry, of what they had done. They had had a youth ministry that was thriving. And um, it was thriving uh, seemingly against the odds. And so we had went out there and said, well, okay, well, it's California. Maybe they've got something different going on. Um, and so we started asking questions about the health of their ministry, because they had over 2,000 people in their ministry, 2,000 people showing up regularly. And we said, so how did this start? And they're like, well, we were three or four weeks from closing the doors. And, um, you know, it, it, we had gone through four different, uh, this is their youth ministry, four different youth pastors. And it just seemed like everything we heard sounded like there's no way they should be surviving. And what they basically said is we started with a small group, a small group of faithful believers, and said this is where the church starts. And so as I look at the numbers today and I see, I thought I'd be discouraged knowing that so many people were out sick, but I'm thinking this is where the church starts. Um, so I want to take just a moment to pray not only for the sermon today, but also for the chairs to your left and to your right. And I want you to think about the people at home, the people who have sat in these chairs, the people that will sit in these chairs. And let's pray for their health and for the health spiritually of our body. Will you do that with me? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead us in prayer for just a moment, and then I'm going to have a time of quiet in there. And in that brief moment of quiet, I want you to pray for the chair on your left and on your right, imagining people you have seen here or met here. And if you're at home, think of two or three other people that you know from Gateway or in the church anywhere around and pray for them. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for being with us. Lord, it's easy for us to get discouraged when we face adversity. It's easy for us to get discouraged when we look around and we see a lot of things not going the way we would have planned. I pray you'd speak today. I pray you'd help us to hear. And we pray for the health of of, of your body, Lord. As the bride of Christ, I pray we'd be ready. I pray you'd make us healthy, Lord. 
not just physically, but spiritually. Bless our time now. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are going to venture into some cleaner pages of your Bible from 2 Chronicles chapter 18 today. And we're going to be talking about Jehoshaphat. Uh, Jehoshaphat was the fourth king of Judah. So if you know a little bit about Israel's history, after Saul, David, and Solomon, the kingdom divided into the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom is, one of the characteristics of the northern kingdom is every king is characterized as evil. In the southern kingdom, it kind of goes back and forth. We have good kings and we have bad kings. And we're specifically going to look at Jehoshaphat because he was presented with a challenge that I think we are presented with today. And that challenge is, how do you hear from God amidst the noise? How do you hear from God or hearing from God in the midst of noise? There's a lot of noise right now. A lot of it. And that noise can take different forms for us. That noise can take the form of work issues. It can take the form of family issues. It can take the form of health issues. But right now, with all that's going on in the world, the noise is just thundering. We long for the day where I don't have to read or hear about COVID again. We long for the day where I don't have to hear about all this illness and all the stuff that's going on. We long to, to get past all the political divides and all of the infighting and all of the problems that are out there. But how do we, how do we work with all this noise? Do we, do we tune it out? Or do we find ourselves just saturating our minds with the noise? Every news article that comes out, we want to make sure that we read it early. You know, I don't know if it's CNN, CBS, CBN, um, Fox News, whatever your favorite newscast is. I honestly don't care for the point of this discussion. But we saturate our minds with the noise. And so how in the midst of all that noise do we hear God's voice? Because the church starts here. For those of you online and you feel a little disconnected because you're at home, the church starts with you as well. See, we are the bride of Christ, and just despite everything going on, we need to be able to hear what we have to do from the Lord, what he wants us to focus on. So we're going to be looking at 2 Chronicles 18 today. Um, and the, the first point I want to talk about is that mixed allegiances impair our hearing. And we're going to be talking about how do I hear God amidst a noise. And the first point is mixed allegiances impair our hearing. See, Jehoshaphat was a good king. Uh, he's characterized as walking as David walked. This was pretty much what you wanted to be called, a king walking like David. Because that meant you were doing things right. He started off his reign fortifying his kingdom against the king of the north. 
In addition, he also took down all the Asherah poles. This is the places of worship to foreign gods. He took all of that down. And he focused on the things of God. So it seems like he's off to a really good start. Somewhere along the line, this changes. In the midst of that change, he faced a challenge. And we're going to focus on one of two stories. There's two stories, really, of his, uh, of his reign. But we're going to focus on the first one where he missed God's voice. And we're focusing on that one because I think this is where we are right now. And we have to be really careful to not miss God's voice. So if you'll read with me in chapter 18 of 2 Chronicles. Now Jehoshaphat had great riches and honor. He made a marriage alliance with Ahab. After some years, he went down to Ahab in Samaria, and Ahab killed an abundance of sheep and oxen for him, and for the people who were with him, and induced him to go up against. Uh, uh, sorry, I lost my place here. For the people who were with him, and induced him to go up against Ramoth Gilead. Ahab, king of Israel, said to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, "Will you go with me to Ramoth Gilead?" He answered him, I am as you are, my people as your people. We will be with you in the war. And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, Inquire first for the word of the Lord. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, 400 men, and said to them, Shall we go to battle against Ramoth Gilead, or shall I refrain? And they said, Go up, for God will give it into the hand of the king. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not here another prophet of the Lord, of whom we may inquire? And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, Micaiah, the son of Imlah, but I hate him. For he never prophesies good concerning me, but always evil. And Jehoshaphat said, Let not the king say so. Then the king of Israel summoned an officer and said, Bring quickly Micaiah, the son of Imlah. Now the king of Israel, Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, were sitting on their thrones, arrayed in their robes, and they were sitting at the threshing floor at the entrance of the gate of Samaria. And all the prophets were prophesying before them. And Zedekiah, the son of Chenana, made for himself horns of iron and said, Thus says the Lord, With these you shall push the Syrians until they are destroyed. And all the prophets prophesied so and said, Go up to Ramoth Gilead and triumph. The Lord will give it into the hand of the king. Now I want to pause here for just a second before going on to um, the later assessment of how this went. Uh, But I want you to take note of how many voices he has. There are 400 prophets. Uh, this, you know, this kind of reminds me, though, of a scenario that I had. Um, see, I, I think his problem is, is he's already got the agenda. Did you guys see? As soon as the king of the north, now remind, uh, I want to remind you that the king of the north, what did he do in the beginning of his reign? He fortified against the king of the north. Now he's got this relationship with the king of the north, and we'll get into some of the details of that in just a second. But he's got this relationship, and he's being asked, will you go with me? 
Will you go with me into battle? Without hesitation, he's like, yeah, I'm in. I'm in. I am as you are, my people as your people. We will be with you in war. Now, that's a pretty big statement to do that without any pause. Now, I think uh, there are some other factors at play, and it reminds me of a time where I wanted to go tubing. So Lisa and I wanted to do something special for our anniversary a couple of years ago. And so we wanted to go tubing down the South Branch River and, uh, and bring Hayden with us, our son. And, and so we decided this would be really, really fun. We're, we're going to enjoy going tubing. We've been kayaking down this river multiple times. There's about a seven-mile stretch, and it's, it's just a blast. Uh, there's bald eagles all over the place. The scenery is absolutely gorgeous. It's amazing. And we thought, how fun would that be to go tubing? Plus, Costco has tubes, and we bought some, so we've got to use them. So we, we go out to this river, and we get in, and, um, and we start tubing. Now, this stretch, because we had been kayaking multiple times, one of the things that we had um, done is you have certain landmarks in your mind as you go. of Like, okay, this is, uh, you know, 30 minutes in, this is an hour in, this is two hours in. Um, well, one of those was a bridge that normally we pass very, very quickly. And so we get on our tube. Hayden takes his shoes off. I mean, after all, you're tubing. This is, this is going to be fun. We'll take our shoes off and, and, and go tubing down. I, I fortunately had, you know, Keens. I think Lisa had some uh, water shoe as well, so we were good. But Hayden went barefoot because, hey, that's what you do on tubing. And we get in there, and we start traveling downriver. And uh, we're about... An hour in, and I realized we haven't passed this bridge that we normally pass in just the first few minutes of kayaking. So I'm starting to get a little bit nervous. About an hour and a half in, Hayden does some quick math. Hey, I just want to put out there at our current pace, it's going to take us 14 hours to finish this trek. Wow. 14 hours. Now, here's the problem. We're already an hour and a half into this journey. And we're pretty far away from where we put in, at least in terms of we're not going to just go walk back. There's no road. There's no easy way to go anywhere. So we're like, okay, well, we're, we're in this. This is a mess. Now, we ended up, and I'm going to give you the short version, but it was crazy how this ended up. We ended up finding a railroad, and we got out, and Hayden walked for four miles barefoot on the railroad until we could get to near the end, get back in and finish. But here's what's funny. There was a voice in the beginning that we didn't listen to. See, when we first got in the water, this guy goes, oh, you're going tubing? Yeah, where are you getting out? We told him where we're getting out, and he's like, that's pretty far, right? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, seven miles. Have you ever gone tubing on this river? N no, but we've been kayaking. Uh-huh. Um, there's parts that are pretty calm. Okay, well, that's, that's fine. I mean, we know we can just paddle through those. Uh-huh. Um, it's going to take you a while. <laughs> okay. Um, like, how long do you think? I don't know, like, how long does it normally take the kayak? We tell them three hours. It's going to take you at least five hours if you're doing that. We were not expecting 14 hours, but we had that word of caution. We had that word of caution, but we missed it. 
And this is exactly what we see here with Jehoshaphat. And we're going to unpack what is it that causes us to miss the right voice when it's there all along. And see, a mixed allegiances impair our hearing. So the first thing I want to bring to your attention is that there was a marriage alliance. See, it said now Jehoshaphat had great riches and honor and had a marriage alliance with Ahab. So the first thing that confused things for him is his priorities shifted when his son married Athaliah, which was the daughter of Ahab. And if you guys know who Ahab is, he's one of the more evil kings of the north. He's He's uh, married to the winner Jezebel, uh, who is known for all kinds of hideous evil, including wanting to kill Elijah. So this is not the best king, um, and, but he's created this alliance, so he has now this mixed allegiance. And right now, what are all of our mixed allegiances that create noise for us? Is it... You know, I've got these goals that I want to achieve. I've got my vacation plans, my retirement plans. I have my work agenda. I have uh, so many different things going on. I obviously want to be healthy. I want to be whole. So does everybody else who's in the middle of this pandemic. But we have all these competing voices, and our mixed allegiances cloud or impair our ability to hear. The other thing it can do though is when we have an agenda, we have something we already want to do or already want to experience, we can miss the need to stop and bring it before the Lord. See, uh, Jehoshaphat, uh, especially when considering something like war, should have stopped. But notice the order in which he does things. He says, yes, we will go. Then, next verse, how we should probably inquire of the Lord. Do you guys ever do that in your walk with the Lord? You're like, oh, yeah, we should definitely go do da-da-da-da. Let's just pray, just to make sure. Um, You know, God is kind of the afterthought, right? God is going to come into the mix, but after, after I've really already made my decision. So what I want God to do now is just agree with me. Because if God doesn't agree with me, it kind of messes up my plans. So this is what's happening here. It says, I am as you are, my people as your people. And then he goes out and gets, um, Ahab gathers together 400 prophets. Now, when I think, who do I want to gather a bunch of prophets? I think Ahab, right? He's this evil king. Um, he hates the prophets. He's persecuted Elijah. He's, he's not a good king, so he's going to get 400 people that are all yes-men. Okay, what should we do? Standard response, whatever the king wants. What does the king want to do? The king wants to go against Ramoth Gilead. So um, they all answer that. Now here's, here's the next thing when we have competing allegiances. See, God will still try to connect to us. God will still try to reach through the noise. The question is, will we be able to hear God's voice when he's reaching through? Because watch what happens. It says, is there not another prophet? So this is interesting. Jehoshaphat knows that the 400 prophets are a show. He's got an inkling something's off. 
He's got an inkling something's off. There's a lot of crazy going on in the world. Do we have an inkling that, hey, maybe we need to stop, quiet our minds before the Lord, and let him speak to us? See, the church starts here. We have to be ready. We have to know what God is doing. We want to be a part of God's plan. We don't want to be so convinced we already know what God's doing that we miss it. We don't want to have our agenda and our allegiances confuse what God is doing, because I've got news, regardless of what your plans are, they probably have been disrupted anyway. Good. So let's stop long enough and figure out what does God want now? What does God want now? Now, it's interesting because they do find another prophet, Micaiah, the son of Imlah. And you've got to appreciate um, how this works. So while they're fetching him, another uh, one of the 400 prophets, um, Zedekiah, which is not the Zedekiah recorded in Scripture uh, in terms of his book, um, but this is Zedekiah, a false prophet. He makes himself iron horns, which is pretty cool. Uh, makes a little iron horn thing, and he uses this, and he's like, and this, this is how you shall push the Syrians until they're destroyed. He's doubling down. You will, you will succeed. Now, there's more to this, though, with the mixed allegiance. And see, it's going to be the allegiance side of this that gets into trouble. So we're going we're gonna to fast forward to what happens after this battle and read in 2 Chronicles 19. Uh, because after this battle, what happens is um, they, do, they do go into battle, and Ahab dies. Uh, Ahab is struck with a random arrow, and he, he dies. And um, when he comes back, fortunately Jehoshaphat is spared, and he comes back, and a prophet comes out to meet him. 19 says, Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, returned in safety to his house in Jerusalem. But Jehu, the son of Hanani, the seer went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, Should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? Because of this, wrath has gone out against you from the Lord. Nevertheless, some good is found in you, for you destroyed the Asherah out of the land and have set your heart to seek God. Now, um, he is basically pounded for having that mixed allegiance. We've got to find a way to make sure that regardless of all the noise, all the things clamming for our attention, whether it's Facebook or news articles or work, I mean, let's face it, a lot of us are working from home now. There's so much noise, we've got to thin it out. Next point. Preparing our heart is critical to discerning God's voice. So uh, preparing our heart is critical, discerning God's voice. In uh, 2 Chronicles 18, 12 through 22, we finally hear from the prophet. And he says, uh, And the messenger went to summon Micaiah. Behold, the words of the prophet with one accord are favorable to the king. Let your word be like the word of one of them and speak favorably. Isn't that nice when you basically tell the prophet, I want you to speak the way I want you to. But Micaiah said, As the Lord lives, what my God says, that I will speak. And when he had come to the king, uh, or when he had 
Come to the king. The king said to Micaiah, Shall we go to Ramoth Gilead to battle, or shall I refrain? And he answered, Go up and triumph. They will be given into your hand. Now, in case you missed it right here, he's actually being sarcastic right now because he was just told what to say. But the king knows he's being sarcastic, and he says, But the king said to him, How many times shall I make you swear that you speak to me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? And he said, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, These have no master. Let each return to his home in peace. And he's speaking of Ahab's death. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell you that he would not prophesy that he would not prophesy good concerning me, but evil? And Micaiah said, Therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the host of heaven standing on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, Who will entice Ahab, the king of Israel, that he may go up and fall on Ramoth Gilead? And one said one thing and another said another. We're getting an insight to the court of heaven right now. It's fascinating. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord, saying, I will entice him. And the Lord said to him, By what means? And he said, I will go out and will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all of his prophets. And he said, you are to entice him and you shall succeed. Go out and do so. Now, therefore, behold, the Lord has put a lying spirit in your mouth of these, your prophets. The Lord has declared disaster concerning you. Then Zedekiah, the son of Chenanah, came near and struck Micaiah on the cheek and said, which way did the spirit go from me to speak to you? And Micaiah said, Behold, you shall see on that day when you go into the inner chamber to hide yourself. And the king of Israel said, Seize Micaiah, take him back to Amon the governor of the city, and to Joash the king's son, and say, Thus says the king, Put this fellow in prison and feed him with meager rations of bread and water until I return in peace. And Micaiah said, If you return in peace, the Lord has not spoken by me. And he said, Hear all you peoples. So he got the word, he got the voice, but he still missed it. See, I really wanted to go tubing down the river, and I don't know what it is you want to do. I don't know what your plans are, I don't know what you're thinking, and I don't know how the epidemic that's going on or pandemic has created um, disruptions in your life. But more than ever, we need to listen to the voice and not try to force it into our own. The Lord will be with the courageous. That's the next point I wanted to make. Uh, so looking at this account, um, part of what had to happen is a preparation of the hearts of not only the king, but all the people. And up until this point, when Jehoshaphat was uh, considering all this, he's kind of been going in the wrong direction, right? He's building an alliance with the king of the north. He's got a mixed marriage. Uh, the king of the north is into idolatry. And he is creating all these kind of mixed alliances. Um, well, to go against that, so let, let's, let's take this landscape. The prophet says, hey, bad idea. Bad idea. You need to do something different. Now, the easy thing to do in this situation, right, is to follow whatever you had already agreed to with, with King Ahab. What's the courageous thing here? The courageous thing is to go against the voices and say, no, this isn't what God wants. We need to be ready right now to hear God's voice. We need to be ready to go where God is going to direct us. We need to be willing to shift left, even if it's not popular, or shift right. That's going to take courage. 
For the sake of time, I'm not going to go into all of 2 Chronicles 19, 8 through 11, but we'll flash it up on the screen for just a second. Um, so in 2 Chronicles 19, 8 through 11, the last, uh, the last verse in that section says, Deal courageously and may the Lord be with the upright. And what's happening in this whole section is Jehoshaphat now has already seen what happens when you don't listen to God. And he's setting up a new court where he wants the new court to honor God's way no matter what. He wants the priest to do what they're supposed to do. And he wants them to hold upright to whatever God would have them do, whatever is just. And this takes courage. This takes courage. Now, God provides a way to those who rely on him. God provides a way to those who rely on him. Um, you know, it's interesting, some, uh, in late summer, I had a, a crazy dream, and I don't know how God is speaking to you. I don't know how God is, is uh, revealing things to you right now with everything going on. Um, I've had a, a few different dreams that have really made me stop and have pause. And one of those dreams this summer was, was fascinating. I, uh, I was sleeping and I was in this giant wave pool. Um, and we're on this metal, rickety metal canoe. And it's long. There's like 20, 25 people on this canoe and it was way overpacked. And we're going through and the waves are just bouncing all around. It was way more uh, crazy than uh, I was expecting. But we were fine. It was warm out. Um, and this wave pool was huge, by the way. It was like a mile by a mile. And uh, so we're in this pool, and we're kind of using it as skill-building exercises, right? And while this is happening, the canoe capsizes. So I'm like, whoa! So we're all a little nervous. But hey, we're in the water. It's warm. It's not terribly cold. Now, the water's deep enough that we can't touch bottom easily. Um, so we're, we're there, and I'm... I'm thinking, well, this isn't too bad. The water's warm. We're not going to get hyperthermia. So I, in my dream, I'm asking everybody, okay, wait, let me show you how to get back in. And we're trying to get back into this metal canoe. And uh, nobody's really listening, but um, that's, you know, that's not really all that different in my life. But the, uh, so we, we were trying to do, uh, trying to get back into the metal canoe. And while we were doing that, uh, a big wave came and crushed this canoe. And it was just like this metal blob. It's still floating on the, on the water, but it was completely crushed. And this dream is so vivid. Uh, whenever I have a really vivid dream, I stop and wonder, God, is this, is this something you're doing, or what is this? So in my dream, I'm trying to figure out, well, what can we do? And the water now is really starting to rage. And the water's tossing all around, and everything is bouncing, and everybody's now just looking out for themselves, because I can see everybody is scared. And honestly, I'm scared. So in my dream, I start to panic, and I get crushed by a big wave, and I, I feel like, oh my goodness, I could actually drown. And I'm realizing I'm too far from the edge. Um, we're all going to drown. So I'm starting to panic. I'm starting to freak out. And then just then, I get pushed under by a big wave, and as I go down deep enough, I just barely touch the bottom, and I realize, okay, this isn't as bad as I think it is. So I, I come back up, and I think, I'm a decent swimmer. I can swim across this wave pool and I can get to the other side. Now I'm thinking just about myself. Um, I probably, 
probably not the best way to be thinking, but I was thinking just about myself, but I, I'm thinking, I can make this. And um, I wake up. I think, well, that's a crazy dream. What was that about? And so I said, Lord, you know, if I just pray, it's, you know, three or four in the morning. Lord, if that dream was something I'm supposed to remember, will you help me remember it till morning? Because if it's gone by morning, then I'm not going to worry too much about it. So I started dripping off back to sleep. And I, as I did, I felt these, uh, these words were spoken to me. Go back to the boat. Too many will drown. At that point, I am wide awake. I record the whole dream. And I'm contemplating, what in the world are you saying, God? Because the, the boat is crushed. But the boat is still floating. I still haven't completely unpacked what the boat represents, but I think it represents multiple different things. I think it represents community, the church, God's provision. And with everything going on, with all the battering and with all the noise, the threat on the church right now is that we would be dispersed. But we cannot be dispersed. This is our time to stand, our time to listen, our time to be discerning the will of God and to hearing from him. 2 Chronicles 20.12, the next time King Jehoshaphat comes into battle, the war is mounting on him, and he recognizes, I have no idea what to do. He lifts up and prays this, Lord, for we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And that's where we are right now. Don't know what's going on, but Lord, our eyes are on you. God answers that prayer. And he completely defeats the army coming in. They destroy themselves. I don't know what God's plan is amidst everything going on. But I know that we have to hear God amidst the noise. We have to identify what our mixed allegiances are. And we have to get rid of them. We have to ask God to help us make him our number one because there's so much competing for our time, our minds. We have to resolve to amplify his leadings and to quiet all other voices. Lord, I, wanna, I want your voice to rise above everything else. It might be noisy, but I want to hear your voice. So that means we're going to have to create space for God. Maybe instead of Facebook and Fox News or CNN or whatever we're going to first, maybe we stop and say, Lord, what do you want me to know today? And we have to be courageous. We've got to be willing to follow God wherever he leads. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you. We thank you that even with everything going on, Lord, that you are still in control. We thank you that even though there's a lot of noise, Lord, your voice is still here if we're willing to listen. Ask, Lord God, that you would break through, that you would teach us Pray, Lord God, that you would help us to follow you courageously. In Jesus' name, amen.